Dude, shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us were captivated by the California raisins. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. You know that mediocre generic sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. With Steve Cofield, Willie Ramirez. This new version was a sloppy mess of half-famous randos. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Got the special open. I like that. Good job, Jared. Running things here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Cofield and Company crew working some mornings this week as Tyler and Ed with some uh, well-deserved time off, I think, unless they're uh, covering something else. Willie is here. Jared is here. What's up, buddy? Oh, you know, this is it's lunchtime for me. I know. You ready to go? You start tweeting at 3 in the morning. I'm like, this is perfect. This is the middle of the day for this guy. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Got a bunch of stories written. I've read a bunch of things. I've sent out some East Coast text messages and focused on today's show. I'm I'm. I'm ready. I, the, only, the only thing I need to do before I go to bed tonight is is lift. I might I might be asleep by two. I won't be lifting. Uh, truth <laughs> be told, I rolled out of bed at six thirty-seven. Solid. Yeah, I'm ready to go. That's a lie. I didn't roll out of bed at six thirty-seven. Okay, six twenty-five. I have a morning person within me. Trust me, we'll be fired up. WNBA coming up. We got some more NFL with Lamar Jackson with another one of his uh, cryptic IG messages. Are we going to do tennis and golf today? Yes. Okay. Why not? I used to like those sports. We're going to do it. We'll get into it. But we start out with the first bite. The first bite. Will Kelsey Plum stick around or is she heading home? So the reason we pose this question is because Kelsey Plum was blown up this year under the tutelage of Becky Hammond with the Aces. She's had a monster season and she goes and has a very big all-star game weekend. Willie was all over this. I think they had a pretty decent crowd in Chicago. I thought what, just under 10,000? I couldn't figure yeah. out where the skills competition was at. Do you know where that was at? No. It looked like a warehouse. Yeah, it looked like almost – it reminded me of like when LeBron used to do his clinics down at the Cashman Center. Yeah. And he'd jump around from court to court, and they just had bleachers brought in. Yeah, well, they – you know, for – um, rec center. For the college all-star, college basketball all-star uh, weekend that they do where they do, you know, three-point shooting contests, the men and the women shoot threes. It's usually in a smaller gym, so. Yeah. But it looked like a, a – I don't know, it looked like a cool setup. I think that they, I think they do that sort of thing with you know like that um, you know to benefit the 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 areas within the city that's hosting it and then also maybe get some fundraising and then to provide some sort of a like a whatever they're renting the space it provides a little bit of an income to give back. So she was the All Star Game MVP. Yeah. Uh, we have been talking about her situation with the Aces. Now again, I don't understand if they have a salary cap or if they don't. I mean, they can max play a, a max pay a player. In the WNBA, like $230,000. Becky Hammond's making a million. So I have no idea what the money deal is. No clue. Like, do they have NBA-like rules? Do do they have the right to sign Kelsey Plum to bigger money? Like, we're going to talk about Dame Lillard later. Well, the Blazers, it is one good thing the NBA put in. There's a lot of good things the NBA put in. But it's one of the good things the NBA's put in is your team has an advantage to keep you around by giving you extra money and extra years. So... What is this going to come down to? Because we asked the question because Kelsey Plum is not from Las Vegas. She is from where? She's from San Diego, but she starred in Seattle okay. and became the NC2A's all-time scoring leader. She's still the, the, women, the, the all-time scoring leader in women's college basketball history, but she, and she's beloved and 
absolutely adored in Seattle because of her time with the University of Washington. She has an expiring contract. So she's currently under contract for, she has a three-year contract, 423 grand. She makes about 141000 a year. Highest paid player is obviously Asia Wilson, followed by veterans Chelsea Gray, Raquana Williams. Kelsey Plum is fourth on the list. There's no doubt after this season, all four of them, well, I would say Asia and Kelsey for sure. Chelsea's a veteran who could um, demand it, but they should all be topping the $200,000 mark. Kelsey could be getting close to a max contract for her coming out of her um, three-year deal with the Aces. So the talk came up weeks ago that Sue Bird is retiring, right? The, the two big names yesterday outside of Brittany Griner's presence for All-Star Weekend was Sylvia Fowles of the Minnesota Lynx, Sue Bird of the Seattle Storm, both of them retiring after illustrious careers in the WNBA. Who could replace Sue Bird in Seattle because they still have such a young, talented lineup? Who could point guard that team? For Brianna, um, for Brianna Stewart. Right. The two names that have constantly surfaced are Kelsey Plum and Courtney Vandersloot from Chicago. When you asked Plum about this a couple weeks ago, she just kind of laughed and walked off and said no comment. No comment. Went so right she's into leaving. It. She went. <laughs> what does that mean? Right? What does it? What does it mean? Well, I. I she. I don't know whether it means don't distract me with that kind right. of stuff before the game because I got to get into my stretching routine. She also gave me a no comment on the red carpet photo with Darren Waller, who was in Chicago this weekend. Right. But I mean, uh, in her defense, you don't really want to be talking about your next contract, what team you're going to be with, when you're in a good. And at the time, they weren't on a really good role. Right, that too. You don't want to be a distraction. You don't want to pose that distraction. It, it, it. She smiled and smirked as if she knew exactly what I was referring to because of the report that came out where they started projecting, here's who the Storm's top two targets would be. Right. Vandersloot is, is already an all-time top five point guard in the history of the league. Um, she has a... An agreement, her contract is a duo agreement with her wife, Allie Quigley, who won the three-point shootout uh, on mm -hmm. Saturday. So where she goes, where Sloot goes, Quigley goes. Um, I talked to Courtney for a story that I wrote a couple weeks ago when Chicago was here, and she said, obviously, it's a destination I'd be interested in. She's from Kent, Washington, because I talked to them during the offseason when when talks stalled with Chicago. Right. So Sloot would 100% be on board with finishing her career in Seattle. Kelsey, Kelsey made a comment not too long ago about, you know, just the aces and the future, and this is what we want to continue to do with Las Vegas. So, so I think that part of her mindset is she'd like to be here, but I think like any pro athlete, you know, Money's money. Yep. And you got to go where you're going to get paid. And in this league, as we know, you have to go where you get paid. Am I wrong on this? It feels like the league wants players in certain places. Am I off on this? Um, I think they appreciate the like the, the bigger markets, like they'd yeah. like to have someone in New York. So okay, so Kelsey Plum, local star here with the Aces, wins the All-Star Game MVP. I mean, what better time to kind of make her, make sure that she's paid, make her actually go back home and go to the Sparks because, you know, Big Liz is ruining the team. So, they, they, oh, no, should, go oh, back go to home, L.A., go back LA, to Southern yeah, California. Southern Cal, yeah. They suck. Yeah. Right? I mean, and it could, it wouldn't, could, wouldn't it be more, like, 
I don't know. I, I don't know what the grand plan of the league is, and I don't know like the puppet master if they control where players go. Right. Um. I my guess is they've had a lot of frozen envelopes, but yeah, they don't use the envelopes anymore. But wouldn't that be a great spot? It could. Uh, they have an up and coming player in Lexi Brown, who's actually I was shocked she was not invited to the three point contest. There, are, majority of the uh, skills competition players are are, are already all stars, but they can invite players that are not part of the all star game. Lexi Brown is one of the deadliest three-point shooters in the league. She's an up-and-coming point guard. She's got a ring with Chicago. So I think that she could be their point guard for the future. But, yes, it would make sense. Now, let's say San Diego, where they're about to expand. And a lot of the players are talking about Philadelphia. They're talking about Oklahoma City. If San Diego, for whatever reason, were to get a team, I could automatically see Kelsey wanting to go there. I think the automatic push, if the league really wants a storyline for a fantastic back-to-back legend, re- legends retiring in Seattle, is I think Vandersloot makes more sense okay. going to Seattle than Kelsey. But I do agree that, oh, wait a minute, if Chicago loses Courtney Vandersloot and who just lit up Chicago with her all-star performance. They need a new point guard. We've got the money because we just paid Courtney Vandersloot. Hello, Kelsey Plum. Damn. Kelsey Plum has a lot of opportunities. Indeed. And then we'll get into the the part of the decision, which is, hey, who are you dating? Who are you married to? Ah, all rumors, but we'll get to that in, in the 9 o'clock hour. Willie Ramirez, Cofield, filling in on the press box. Jared's here. So I didn't watch a whole lot of WNBA. I did watch a whole lot of Sopranos because of Paulie Walnuts. Yeah. So he passes away, Tony Sirico, on the heels of James Kahn, on the heels of Ray Liotta. Modern. Forget about it. Right? Three giants, you know, and it, it, <laughs> I saw so many headlines, you know, three wise guys, three ganks, there's no... Three very talented actors who induced fans to watch mob-related, mafia-related, wise guy-related, true crime-related, right? Based on true stories. <laughs> People forget about that. Yes. So True I mean, crime. I mean, Not good, all fun good, and games. Good, good Not really supposed to be glamorized, but we do it. Goodfellas, based on true story. Right, yeah. um, you know these are these are story. Uh, the Godfather wasn't based, but there were a lot of storylines they say that were written into the script, of course, to sort of mirror situations that took place. And then, of course, Tony Sirico, who played in, uh, you know, he played minor roles. That you have to look for him. Like people don't for don't remember that he was in Goodfellas. You know, because you think of the characters that were in Goodfellas, but he was in there. You know, one of the one of the more prominent scenes he's in is at the cab stand where Leota's still narrating, and he's with Tootie, and they're at the front, and he starts. They start joking around, shadow boxing, and Polly comes to the door, and he's looking at. The, he looks, and he goes, and then Polly gives him a stern look. They all calm down because he doesn't want any kind of fracas in the front of the cab stand, and he walks away, and he goes, "Your fault, no, your fault, no, your fault." So. But I did uh, get through, yes, the, from the second Tony Sirico died, it was automatic to HBO Max. I've already gone through season two, episode one. So what's that, 14 episodes? Wow. All right. I got like three quarters through season one, and I forgot how good a show it is. So we're, we're going to get into this more because I think there's people you know driving to work right now, listening in the morning, who are like, ah, I don't get this mob thing. These guys are always doing the mob thing, right, the mafia thing. Is it a regional deal? Is it a Vegas thing, the connection? So we'll get to that. 
Uh, big topic, as you just heard, Kelsey Plum, money, decisions, opportunities. We'll talk about Lamar Jackson and this weird cryptic IG post. And on the way back, we'll get to Dame Lillard. I am not going to sit here often and say, what are you doing? Why did you take the money? But I still don't understand why certain guys, when they've got mega money, don't make the choice to take a little bit less. Win! Win! Playoff legacy! Come on, Dame! I wish I played in his generation, though. You wish you would have played in his generation? Yeah. Why? I heard he was like, like just how he, you know, go about the game, you know, just that mindset he had. I would like to, you know, play against him. You know, yeah, this time you're not saying, I would have cooked him. I would have cooked him, too. <laughs> you would have cooked Michael Jordan? Man, I, nobody got more confidence than 12. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Steve Cofield, Willie Ramirez filling in for the uh, Press Box crew. John Moran talking about Michael Jordan on the way back. Always love the uh, era comparisons. So Dame Lillard at the end of last week signs a two-year extension with the Blazers. 61 mil a year. Do you want to get all mad about that? I've seen some sports radio people who are like, the money in the NBA is like it's been this way, and that's the agreement. And you share the money with the players, right? We should all wish that was the case. Yay, labor. Yay, Dame Lillard. Now, Lillard's in a different situation, Willie, than the rest of us. We all don't have opportunities to go pretty much join any company we want. Lillard could probably join, whatever, 26 other teams around the league. So am I going to ask for saying, why did he just do this? Why not, at 31 years old, go and we'll call it ring chase? Why not go and do it? Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Why? Why do it? Because right now, now I get it, LeBron did it. Mm -hmm. Let's be real, he did it and won. KD did it and won. But who else? In reality, they joined forces... But where's the guarantee? And, and and I'm not sure I'm ready to put Damian Lillard on the KD and LeBron Mount Rushmore, uh, you know, right. faces. The thing is, right now, what we're seeing with a lot of these chasers, it's not it's not it's not working. It's not working. Kawhi Leonard left and went to Toronto, but he didn't really join anyone and chase anything. He joined. And nobody thought that that was going to. I nobody made Toronto a favorite. That wasn't chasing to me, but. KD, Kyrie, James Harden, hey, let's all go to Brooklyn. We saw how that resulted. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia. No, we're, there's, it's, it's, there's no guarantee right now in the NBA when they're chasing rings. They're, I think Golden State proved this past year that... Yeah, but you're, 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 well, I'm talking about trying to achieve and make the playoffs and play competitive basketball. You're doing big three stuff. There's a difference. I didn't say no, join no, a big three. No, 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 no. You didn't say you didn't say make the playoffs. You no, that, said, well, that's what that's what I'm getting win. at is no. go and win. Okay. You just won 27 games. His his numbers are declining a little bit. Yeah. Right now, it's not like John Wall who's been devastated by injuries, but Dame Lillard still has a lot of good basketball left. I just don't. I don't understand playing You're not a buyer in, of Portland. Playing in no, not a, they. They won 27 games. Like they're yeah. not. They're. All, you know, the other thing is, and I, I listen, I defend the Pacific time zone all the time, but I mean, you Portland is a tough place yeah. in terms of relevancy unless you're freaking the jailblazers at the highest level, right? That's when they got attention because they were really, really good. Now, again, on the flip side, hey, if you like where you live, you like your situation, you like the people you're around, that's cool. A lot of people do that with their jobs. 
But at some point, you look around, you're like, all right, my career's coming down here, probably in the next four or five years. This team stinks. They're in the middle of a rebuild. What are we going to make the playoffs as the freaking 10 and and be in the play-in tournament? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. I think, I, I think you know, I, I, I honestly believe him when he there, there's a part of him that likes the idea of playing for one team, and if that's what he wants to do, then and, and be known as you know that that's 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 a I think right now what Steph Curry might be the the one Clay Thompson the 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 war that that nucleus there but um in in wanting to say that he stayed there and maybe he maybe in his mind the Trailblazers are going to do right and be able to build around maybe some people will want to come in there I think that they've made an attempt at times to build around it didn't work but. I don't know where his mindset is, but I don't mind it. I don't mind the loyalty aspect of it. I get what you're saying. You, hey, you're in it to go win. You want you ju- you become a professional athlete. You get to the pros. You it, it doesn't even matter with your pros. Starts with little league. Starts with pop Warner. So you you join. You you want to win and you want to win a title. I get that. But he's made it to the level where he's he's one of the best in the NBA. He's making money and he wants to be a no, known as a guy who's been loyal. What does that get you? Money. Could you not make ninety percent of the money winning? Sure, I guess. Well, I, I mean, you, this, this is what I'm getting at, right? So we just saw the documentary Winning Time. Okay. Right. Hulu's coming out with a ten part doc on the Lakers. So this is a little bit long. We kind of trimmed it down, but you just listen to this and you're like, the Lakers are great, and the Lakers are a legacy team in the NBA because they play at the highest level forever. You know, recently it hasn't been great, but you start to hear the names, and they're like. This is how you go down in NBA history by being part of the highest level of basketball and competing for championships. When my dad, Dr. Bess, bought the team, he wanted to create the atmosphere that he liked. He built one of the top franchises in all of sports. The Lakers do have the personality of Los Angeles. Jerry Buss was the director. Magic's the star. And it was a huge hit. Dr. Buss came over with the Laker girls. And all of a sudden, there was entertainment all through the league. Because of HIV virus, I will have to retire from the Lakers. I just fell for him hard. My father felt anything he talked to Jeannie about was going to get to Phil. There's a family feud brewing over who will run the Los Angeles Lakers. That's what it is. It is the real life secession. I don't think my dad intended to build a kingdom, but that's what he did. Sit back and relax. It's showtime. Fired up? I'm fired up because we grew up in that era. We're going to have, what, a six-minute documentary on the Dame Lillard Blazers? <laughs> 18 years from now? The Lakers built their, their, <laughs> pow- their powerhouse teams around it's an unfair two guys comparison. that they drafted. It's an unfair or, comparison. Me, they didn't draft Kobe. They brought him in off the draft. But Magic and Kobe, they built around. So yeah. maybe. No, what, what the Lakers did what the Lakers did all those years to win, uh, just like the Celtics did, they drafted brilliantly, but more importantly, they took advantage of stupid GMs around the league and teams that didn't try, right? And now Dame Lillard is on a team that really doesn't try. And we know all the Lakers throughout history. By the way, that documentary is 10 parts. We just kind of gave you some of the 80s and some of the transition you know, to Kobe and Shaq eventually and then the bus war. There's a lot more to that. But the, the whole point is the Celtics and Lakers, everyone knows former Celtics and Lakers, even if they're not great players. Like, honestly, down the road, Robert Ory is more significant than Dame Lillard because he hit some big shots and he's won 500 rings because he was always. And, but my whole point here is it's not a bad thing 
It's not a bad thing. I called it ring chasing, which is a ridiculous term, right? It's going after wins, wanting to join up with a good company. Okay. Everyone should strive to do that. If you have opportunities, like when you get a, an offer, get the hell out of here. Leave. Cofield and Company's a sinking ship. You can see it. I got news for you. We're gonna be filling it overnights pretty soon. I got soon. news for you. There's no offers coming my way. But you, but and that, but that's the rare, the rare thing about the greatest athletes. You have a chance to go and play in significant times. Okay, where, where, where were his, where were his opportunities? Do we that know? There weren't any yet, because because he's not going. Anywhere. Because he's not going anywhere. He's loyal if, to. If, he's lo- come on. So it, I'm not, if he said, if saying- he said he wanted to go somewhere, I, there are at least five playoff organizations. That have young dudes that would actually satisfy the Blazers, right? Yeah. To help them in their rebuild, which is another part of this. Like, is this just to sell tickets? Is it to be nice to Dame Lillard because he's been loyal? Like, I don't even really get it from the Blazers standpoint. Move them and get a bunch of picks and players. Not happy with this. I but, but I, I'm happy. You know what I am happy for is at the top end of the the uh, NBA. These guys make a lot of money. They bring in a lot of money. They can make a lot of money. So he's set for life. So it's cool. I just when I saw it, and I, and I had the same reaction on Bradley Beal. Like, come on, man! They're not going to win in DC. It's it's a and forty can, win franchise max. I can tell you that that's from from what I know. That is totally Damian Lillard. This is it's it doesn't surprise me that he's staying. You're right in that a player of that magnitude in a in a in a riding out a vessel that seemingly lost can't go anywhere. He could he could definitely go look for wins, but I don't have a problem with him staying loyal if that's where he wants to be. And I know that that's that kind of guy because you know what? A few years ago at the summer league, when I went up to talk to Zach Collins and catch up with him, I was like, "Hey, I need to get some comments from Dave. Can you talk?" He was like, "I don't need to go talk to him. Just go talk to him. He's he's down to earth." And he sat there and chit chatted for like fifteen minutes. So I mean, he's he's sort of a a very low key, quiet spoken. Cool individual. Good deal. So all those people out there over the last 20 years who have gotten on players who went ring chasing are like, I like loyalty. You satisfied them. They're not They're not going to remember you five years from now. <laughs> hey, what are you going to do? Nice college boy, huh? They want to get mixed up in the family business? Huh? Now you want to gun down a police captain because he slapped you in the face a little bit? Huh? What do you think? This is the army where you shoot him a mile away? You got to get up close like this. But a bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. Come in. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Rolling on Press Box, Willard Ramirez, Cofield. Wanted to talk about uh, some of the uh, recent deaths in the celebrity world. Big pick me up in the morning, huh? Now, well, we saw Tony Sirico, Paulie Walnuts pass away at the end of last week. Ray Liotta, also James Kahn, heard a little there. Wanted to bring in John L. Smith to talk some Vegas, some old school Vegas, those ties. Willie, fire away. Yeah, welcome to the show, my my guy, my longtime friend, and I can oh, I, I can honestly say my one of my true mentors, John L. Smith. It's so great to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. And you know, I love that lead in. It sounds like the Robert De Niro crime family's dying off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Scorsese, everybody's everybody's yeah. fallen by the wayside. And you know, I wow. mean we went from Ray Liotta to James Caan to Tony Sirico. And I want to start with James Caan because there was an interesting story that came out. And you and I, um, I mean, we can, <laughs> we got about 12 minutes with you. And I, I think you and I could talk for two hours. But uh, on, on, on old school Vegas, starting with a guy that we both know very well from State Street days. And prior to that, Gianni Russo, there was a story that came out in the New York Post, James Caan's 
um, relationship with him, which if if those Godfather people familiar with the Godfather, that scene when Sonny beats up Carlo, apparently there was a lot more to that scene in their relationship. Gianni wasn't too uh, complimentary of him in the story after James Conn passed away. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. Uh, Johnny, of course, was you know was uh, pretty well connected, uh, and that's one of the one of the ways he got on the on the set uh, was that. And he, had, he had, I think, he was driving for Marlon Brando, uh, and uh, wound up in the movie. So uh, uh, and made a career out of it. Frankly, he had a lot of other acting roles, but uh, yeah, you know, there's that competition. Uh, uh, James Conn was a tough guy. He ran he ran uh, with some street people. When he was young, and he, that really never left him. He was athletic, uh, of course, in those great roles that he played uh, in some of his best movies. Uh, and so, yeah, they were, they were, I'm sure, ready to go toe to toe. Let me ask you this: Why do you think? I mean, like I said, the three themes that I mentioned: Ray Liotta, James Con, Tony Sirico. Sure. Why? What's the connotation where when 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 you have a trifecta like this, or even when one or two pass away? I know when Ray Liotta passed away. Steve and I, for the afternoon show, we were like, who could we get on that might touch upon his influence on Vegas? Why do we think of Las Vegas when guys like this pass? Well, because it harkens to a time when, when uh, nightclubs were, were different than they are today, when uh, restaurants uh, and lifestyle was different, when the sporting crowd, as it was once called, probably no longer called that, uh, would hang out, you know, if you if you bumped into illegal bookmakers, that they were likely your friends, uh, and uh, and that crowd that was in that transition zone. Sure, real wise guys, uh, people who were kind of wannabes, uh, and then the the crowd that that dealt with them, you know, including so many of the folks we know uh, who were great handicappers, and uh, you know, uh, probably knew how to lend money at five percent a week, uh, <laughs> and all of that. So I mean, you know, there, that was. But that was a lot more common, at least in the Las Vegas that I knew. Uh, I'm not mixing it up on the strip these days. Uh, you know, I can't afford it. But uh, uh, but I but I do uh, cherish those those nights out, uh, having fun, bouncing around. You know, uh, kind of chucking and ducking at some point. But uh, uh, the uh, but it was a, it was a great uh, time, and I think that's why those people are especially uh, you know kind of linked to that lifestyle. But also. Remember that, you know, uh, Junior Sirico was, uh, you know, he did prison time. You know, uh, James Kahn knew plenty of guys who were pretty tough guys, and I have a feeling Ray Liotta did as well. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, that, there's that part of it, too. They're, they were kind of the man's man, uh, macho, urban, uh, all of that, and I think that uh, has an appeal, certainly. Uh, to a certain generation. John L. Smith is up on press boxes. Uh, Cofield and Willie are filling. And you mentioned a couple of things in there, Cherish, and you also mentioned the price on the Strip. Was it actually a better city back then? Clearly you missed some of the things, uh, you know, about the town being a little more mobbed up than it is now, a lot more mobbed up. Well, you know, it's, what it is, it, what it was, is it was a little easier to negotiate, you know, in terms of to get around and all of that. And I, you know, uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed the conversations and the color of it. Uh, you know, the bad guys are bad guys, and people shouldn't romanticize that. But uh, the fact is that the, the folks that I, that I knew and some of whom are still around, uh, they were they were raised in in that gray culture. You know, between corporate legalization of everything 
and uh, you know when when a, when many bookmakers were not on the legal side of things. It's a very common uh, thing. It doesn't make them mob uh, mob people. It just makes them earning a living, you know, without license. And uh, uh, so so the, that that crowd I really enjoyed because uh, you know frankly I'm a storyteller. I love yeah. good stories, and those were the the best stories you could hear were from folks like that, and sometimes from the cops who chased them around. <laughs> I saw your tweet last week about Nick Tano. Tell the uh, sports audience here about Nick Tano. You know, Nick was born in Cleveland uh, a long time ago in the late 30s and came to Las Vegas. Uh, it worked at the Tropicana, was an executive at the Tropicana during some very tumultuous times. Uh, he was a scratch golfer. He had a PGA card at one time. But mostly, Nick was a real sweet heart. He was a great guy, a great storyteller, a gentle guy. Uh, he was he was a uh, a lot of fun. Again, uh, you you could sit and have a cocktail with him, and the stories would flow. And uh, you know, he had a great perspective on things, and and knew a lot about the real Las Vegas that not a whole lot of folks know about. Yeah, he was a fantastic guy, and I think you and I have shared a couple of glasses of wine with him at the old Fellini's, and I remember when he Absolutely. brought Joe Pesci, Pesci around and, and, and Chuck Daly. Um, I want to take you back, because I wrote a column uh, a few years ago for Gaming Today, and I and I picked your brain about it, and you, you made some interesting comments. The comparison to pro sports and sports betting from back then to now, but I remember you telling me that you had heard – then MLB Commissioner Bowie Kuhn once banned baseball greats Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle from the sport as long as they became associated with casinos. But this was a town that longtime uh, exec Mel Exper, he would welcome the baseball players. They'd come in and play on uh, play in the band. Play oh, and then Maury Wills played banjo and, and uh, sang. And they had uh, at one point uh, some of the Dodgers from that early 60s era you know, they they got up on stage and did a little a little kind of a basically a vaudeville set. Maury Wills had some skills, but uh, uh, but the other guys were there for kind of uh, comic relief. And uh, yeah, no, there was no question. Mel was one of those guys. There again, uh, you know, born and raised in New York, uh, came out to Las Vegas where uh, where uh, you know bookmaking's legal. Uh, was that that one of those downtown icons and and wonderful a wonderful human being. Uh, and yeah, he, his whole life was devoted to Dodger baseball and sports. And the, the, if you'll remember the real original Las Vegas club, uh, where the great circuit is now, uh, the original Las Vegas club was, uh, really a shrine to, uh, uh, to, to sports. So it's an interesting dynamic that that's always taken place. Lots of hypocrites have pointed fingers at Las Vegas, uh, over the years. And now it looks like everyone's joined us. So. Well, once again, speaking with legendary writer John L. Smith and author of many books uh, of of several colorful characters from Las Vegas and beyond. Um, you know, John L., you, you think back to the days when you were a sports columnist going to the Rotunda or covering, you know, sports maybe at, at, at the uh, original Gorman High School, wherever it may have been. You played baseball at Western High School. Could you have ever imagined back then what we're seeing today? Yeah, you know, it's really a great question. No, uh, I didn't. Env- I certainly didn't envision Las Vegas as a big league community, mainly because I I really never imagined that sports betting would become legal nationwide, uh, or or at least have the opportunity to. Of course, it's still expanding. Uh, you know, I believe that those mindsets 
were, were more or less, uh, you know, set in stone. Uh, you know, anti-sports gambling, um, anti-really Las Vegas, the Sin City imagery. But, of course, over time, I think the gaming industry really turned that. They, they marketed so much better. Uh, they became more professional, uh, less controversial uh, so, uh, to a certain extent. And, uh, and so you have that opportunity politically. Uh, you know, it's nice to, it was nice to have Harry Reid at the top of the U.S. Senate for uh, a number of years, uh, kind of bat and clean up for the industry. Uh, and so you, you, you had those advocates in Washington, and you had that, of course, the Supreme Court decision, uh, the PASPA decision, uh, and, and, you know, boom. Uh, yeah, now, now we, we're at a certain capacity, uh, two, and two plus million uh, in the metro area, and uh, you have a change, uh, you know, it's kind of a change of season. Uh, for the way Las Vegas is perceived. And uh, now uh, it, it's obvious uh, uh, the sky's the limit. You know, maybe even the Oakland A's will find a home in Las Vegas. I'm glad you mentioned that. Do you want baseball here or NBA if we could only get one? Oh, uh, you know, I'll tell you, if, if, is, am I, am I uh, investing in the company? If I'm investing in the company, it's the NBA. Uh, it, because, of course, the, the fewer, fewer regular season games, uh, more self-contained, uh, you know, 18,000 uh, 18, fans in the stands looks like a big crowd. Uh, you know, baseball is a, is, is tough in the long haul, especially in a town that where I believe um, we're, we're, not, we're not so good at supporting losers. And uh, maybe that's changing. Maybe the, that fan loyalty is, is growing and there's a kind of a Las Vegas something less uh, indelible uh, coming on about Las Vegas now. So people identify, you know, with uh, their Vegas team rather than the Cubs or rather than this one or that one. Uh, so, you know, I would hope that, that, that uh, that's the case. I would love to see Major League Baseball in Las Vegas. Frankly, I've, I've been to the Las Vegas ballpark, the new one, uh, and it's, a, it's an absolute gem. So I don't know what would happen with that. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if Don Logan says it's a good idea, it's a good idea. Uh, and otherwise, I, I really don't listen to anyone else on the subject. <laughs> uh, last 90 seconds here. Let's go back to the beginning of the conversation when we we're talking about the town being run a little bit differently by uh, mafia, you know, organized crime guys who were a little more direct. Uh, you just mentioned how good the marketing was and Harry Reid's role. If we were still run as a town the way we used to be, would we get any of these pro sports, major league sports? Uh, uh, no, no, I, I think, I think, uh, no, there, we'd be, uh, Las Vegas would be shut down in a Rico case or something. Uh, you know, it would have been, yeah, the old, the old ways that they don't, they, they won't fly. Uh, they were certainly colorful, but that, that's, uh, that kind of stuff's a good way to, to, uh, you know, to wind up going back in time. And that's not where Las Vegas needs to go. Well, as much as I appreciate the uh, the freelance money I make with pro sports, I sure would love to go back in time to the keyboard lounge days, jubilation days, brewery days, and of course my drinking days at the Fellinis with John right. L. Smith. John, I appreciate you joining us this morning, sharing some old school Vegas chatter, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Uh, you guys are great, man. Thanks so much for the invite. Thanks, John. Giveaway time, 364-1100, Caller 7, Dude Perfect, The Happy Tour. Check that. That's Happy Tour. Comedy podcast, MGM Grand Garden Arena. That's quite the show. That's coming up on July 16th, Saturday, July 16th. Dude Perfect, That's Happy Tour. You can get your own tickets at AXS.com. Caller 7, 364-1100. I'm going to create me a fake KD account.
Hey. And then I'm gonna troll people. Me and J Dub gonna create Wait. create Twitter fake Twitter accounts. It be so much I be wanting to say. Right, right. How do yeah? How do y'all deal with that? Like, how do you deal with that? Like, you see it. I think it's y'all at practice, but you don't. Back to the press box, summer edition. Tyreek Hill, I good friend that is a podcast. There's been some stuff out off that podcast. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Obviously the. Tua is more accurate than Mahomes thing was kind of dopey. I don't want to stick on this for very long, but I will tell you that um, the Tyreek Hill that we're seeing now, who's quite loquacious, and I think we'll be, <laughs> we'll be that way in Miami. This is one of the reasons, not, not that specifically, but this is one of the reasons of many that the Chiefs were like, eh, 30 million long-term, pushing 30 years old. We've dealt with you. It's time to go. Because there's still a lot of people, Willie, who are like, I can't believe they got rid of him. I, 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 I mean, absolutely can understand it. All right, Jared's got some dumb questions here for us. Uh, they do this on the press box. It's Willie, it's Cofield filling in for Tyler and Ed, who have the week off. All right, so we're going to start with our previous interview. Um, I know who Joe Pesci is, but who's Chuck Daly? Oh, my. we got an age issue here. I mean, it is from a, a while back, man. This, you know what? I'm not even going to hold this one against Jared because I, I obviously we're here as, to as teach. a morning person, we're here, we're here to teach. We're here, we're here to educate. But I've heard some other things come up on this show with the regular guys and some of the stuff that Tyler is unaware of from the old school and Ed is unaware from of the new school is baffling. This one I'm okay with. Okay, I mean, you know, the, the funny thing is Bischoff is so cool and hip on 2022 stuff. I mean, no. Um, <laughs> so who's Chuck Daly? Chuck Daly, legendary <laughs> NBA coach and. Coach of uh, the Olympic team. Yes. And um, am I mistaken? He wasn't he the coach of the Dream Team. Yes. Bad Boy Pistons too. Bad Boy Pistons. Bill Lambeer's coach, and the coach of the infamous 1992 Barcelona Dream Team. See, I'm, my my dumb question is, how the hell did you get to hang around with Joe Pesci? <laughs> I didn't get to hang around with Joe Pesci, but I do have a good Joe. You were never around story. him. Yes, I've, I've, been, I've been. Well, around. so then you hung out with him a no, little bit. <laughs> Uh, what was he like? Quiet. He's quiet. Yeah, he's quiet. So I, I've encountered Joe Pesci three times. Once was at Club Paradise, which is an old. It's a now. Uh, I think it's a new gentleman's club, but it used to be called Club Paradise across from the old Hard Rock. Wonderful place. Lots uh, of memories. He was with Robert. We De did Ni- shows there. Oh, beautiful. That's all. He I was know. with Robert De Niro, and I think I told this story on CNC, but where I asked. For a, them to autograph a hundred dollar bill because I was collecting hundred dollar bills with autographs on it, nice. and they had turned down so many autographs already, and they would look like complete ass if they were to say yes. Right. But then when we were leaving, they were genuinely apologetic because when we were leaving hours later, we were all checking out around the same time. They like looked across and said, you know, De Niro looked across and he goes, "Hey, thanks, sorry again," and kind of just. Um, another time I saw Pesci was at the old Vesuvio and uh guy that owned it. Where was Vesuvio? DI and Sierra Vista area um, underneath the Mark V. Uh, so just on the east side. Yeah, east side. And uh, Joe, they call him Joe the Pig, Joe Pignatelli. Oh, I he, love that. He owned a restaurant. He was going to market meatballs with pine nuts in them. So it was Italian meatball pine nuts. Pine nuts are a touch off of uh, Lebanese food. And the partners were going to be Joe Pesci and Paul Anka. And they were going to oh, wow. trademark that together, and they were going to sell meatballs. So I, that's the first time I had met him. 
and went over. I was brought. It was during the filming of Casino because they would go eat in there, and I was walked over and introduced who I was, so on and so forth, and because of the meatball connection. This is sorry. This is fast. See where this goes. I, See where I'm it goes. A, no, I'm such a like old the, Vegas nerd that it's just like Willie. Can we just hang out and have you tell me stories? All right. Um, next question is: uh, When was the last time you guys did manual labor? Willie, <sighs> I was 19. My mom got. Wait, me. what? What? <laughs> I, I like. I was just asking and something around the house, your car, like anything that you know, manly. <laughs> That I, that I feel like most guys can do that oh, I can't. Oh, I thought this was meant... I thought this was No, meant, not a job. Oh, not a job. Not a job. No, I know you. I know you. Well, two you, weeks you ago, write. I was blowing out the garage. I was cleaning the garage, packing things up, oh, getting you. stuff out on the curb for bulk day. I mean... Bulk day. Yeah, bulk day. I didn't even know that what the, what the bulk day was till recently where you could put anything you want out on the curb. So here I go into the garage. I blow it all out, clean it out, get the dust, the, everything. I was coughing for two days, by the way. Uh... Blow everything out, clean everything up, pack. I get the stuff that I wanted on the curb, including four old tires. Come to find out, tires aren't included on bulk day. So I packed them up in the trunk, went over to a tire store, threw them in their back. How big is your garage? Four old tires. It's a two-car garage. Well, I live by myself, so. Just keeping tires? How hard was it to get rid of some of the stuff? Was there anything you were like, eh, I might need this? No. Okay. Absolutely not. Yeah, I've got like a 20-year-old washer and dryer in the garage. Can't, Can't part with it. Bulk day. I have, I know, dude. I have T-shirts. I have, I have. I actually have clothes from when I'm like 19. I, have I am a, so yeah. fat compared to what I was back then. But I'm like, there could be a day that I can fit in this, and this 1989 thing is going to be back in style. I save old T-shirts that have uh, the the longest the longest hold I had on a T-shirt once was when I took Jordan to the Spurs-Pistons Game 6 Finals. What was that? 2005, I believe. And I had a t-shirt from that game, and I threw it out recently. I mean, truth be told, I've invested so poorly, I've taken care of my money so poorly, that that garage is basically my retirement. So I think out of that garage, I can live for like maybe, maybe three months. Good, because I may need a place to stay. It's going to be a rough run. Uh, On the way back, the front page. Got to get to uh, Wimbledon. Also, uh, Barkley in golf in the British Open telling Greg Norman, screw off.